I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I can follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. Virginia Tech lost to Louisville 34-3, to Robbie. I didn't see that outcome coming. How do you feel, bud? We were missing a zero on the end of uh, the our score in order to mm-hmm, keep this thing mm-hmm. competitive. Uh, not feeling great. Uh, I, I, I had a feeling that we had some regress, regression at some point in the cards during one of these games. That was a lot of re, a lot of regression in uh, in one game. So not it, it not was, ideal. It, why don't you give us a cheers, lift the spirits, get our minds right and ready to do this podcast tonight. Listen, triple digits in basketball and what, 103 to 55 wins, something like that against uh, Coppin State, I think it is, uh, is who we played. So, yes, sir. Uh, we'll go with the old adage that is so played out, but we're a basketball school now. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what really would matter. So here cheers, we are. bud. Are you seeing this right here? Look oh, at that pulpy, man. Pulpy Look bad that. boy. It's <laughs> like a glass of orange juice. I am holding up a, my beer, and it is – there is an orange hue to that thing. It is a hazy one. Yes, basketball. Both our men's and our women's teams got off to a great start. High point was the team that the women beat, and you mentioned Common State for the men. The men scored 100 points. The ladies scored 94. Kitley, 27 and 11. Just, it's too easy for her. Like that against these kind of teams, man, she just dominates. She's a monster. And in our game, Lynn Kidd had a double-double. Rex Steiner, the freshman, had one of the best debuts a freshman's ever had for Virginia Tech. Padula had a double-double. Five guys in double figures. It was was a nice game. Some of our depth was on display. Not going to take too much away from a Coppin State victory, but we don't score 100 too often. No, that... Virginia Tech is not well known for 100 point games. Uh, that uh, that's that's not really our mo uh, typically. No. So great start. Obviously, it was a relatively surefire win, but uh, I'm excited just to get get basketball season rolling here. Absolutely, the women play Caitlin Clark and Iowa tomorrow night. That's Thursday night in Charlotte. That is a huge game. Number three versus number eight on ESPN two. Make sure you tune in to watch the ladies. I can't wait for that. That's a monster um, <laughs> game to be. If that, that'll be their second game, right, of the season? Um, yeah. Right out the yeah. bat, number eight versus number three. I like it. Um, let's uh, let's hope for the and best. It's the, it's the start of 
kind of a adventurous off season or out of conference schedule for the ladies. Like they have some, they have some big, big games on the slate. And in fact, they're coming up to Rutgers. Not that that's one of the bigger games, but it will be in my backyard. And I think the Suns are doing another trip up to New Jersey because they're both big New Jersey guys to come watch them play at Rutgers. Hopefully it goes better than the football game did. Yes. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> the men play South Carolina on Friday night. That's at nine 30, a late tip. And that one, and our wrestling team wrestles Ohio State on Friday night, too. It's a massive match. Yeah, Big Ten wrestling. You got schools like Iowa, Ohio State, um, and State. it will be um, a good match. Uh, I, I don't think my wife is following it quite as closely as football at the moment with where Ohio State is ranked, but it is... Um, I'm excited. The wrestling team is always they've they've gotten so good over the last yeah. you know really five to six years and are kind of perennial top twenty five in the nation almost every single year. And it's uh, starting to get like top fifteen, top ten. I mean, we're really we're really one of the premier teams these days. And I think this match is at home too this yeah. upcoming Friday. So, so awesome at, stuff. Very very cool. To finish the thought on basketball, I did want to mention the Sons of Saturday Slam Jam video did come out on Tuesday. It, it's a nice watch. It's a fun watch. Uh, like I said on Monday, like I am in it. I do. I do an interview. There's some ad reads. There's some. There's some fun stuff on the court. We talk to the coaches. Uh, everyone, like I said, and when I was with you last week, like couldn't have been nicer. And it was a lot of fun. Please check it out. It's on the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel. It's about 40 minutes, but it goes by quick. Everyone makes a fool of themselves. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, and. Um... Go if if no no other reason go check out Pete and his interview skills um, and um, that, that's, see how that's the see first, how I like, look next to Lynn Kidd yeah how how short how short are you is that that's the question um, you look little baby brother but he um, <laughs> I I'm excited I didn't know it dropped because I'm not on Twitter anymore so now I'm gonna have to go out and watch it but I so I'm excited I'll be watching it with the listeners for the first time. The, the reason I'm excited is I've never seen you do like a real kind of videotaped interview. Like we do, we do now video here, but right, uh, I'm right, kind of right. excited to see uh, you and your interviewing skills. Well, here's the thing. Well, for there is editing. However, I'll say this. My interview with Lynn Kidd was one shot, one kill. That, one was, take? that was it. Yeah, wow. One take, just did it and we moved on. I'm not saying they didn't like maybe cut a piece here or there, yeah. but like it was what, there was no redoing anything. <laughs> that, that's like what we have to do now. You, know, we, you and I used to, for those that are like more new to the podcast. So me and Pete, if we used to do what, say a 45 hour long episode, it used to take us two and a half hours. It would like take that. a long time. We yeah. would <laughs> step on our own, you know what, so many times and have to stop and pause and then redo and all that. Thank goodness we're, we're past those days. Yeah, now we just uh, we record this here. We post immediately to YouTube. When I post the one on, on to the pod feed, there maybe I will make a few cuts here and there. Yep. Just for a, an ease of listening aspect. But yeah, if you're watching YouTube, there's there is no cuts anymore. There's no changes. It's just it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, let's get into the playoff rankings, Rob, and then we'll do our we're delaying the Louisville recap as, as long as possible here. <laughs> we might not even but, get to it. We might just <laughs> jump right to Boston college. 
in the playoff rankings, Ohio State's still number one. And I'm not going to go through one through eight because they were unchanged this week. No change at all. Oh, let me pull it up for you guys. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see the rankings on the screen. One, Ohio State. Two, Georgia. Michigan is three. And Florida State's still number four. The top two loss team is Oregon State. Uh, they're ahead of Tennessee. And Tennessee is one of the ones on here where, like, why are they as high as they are? I think Fernelli was complaining about this, but I totally agree. Tennessee does not seem like a very good team to me. Yep. Mizzou just lost a pretty well-fought game to Georgia, and they're behind Tennessee. That will get settled this yep. weekend. Does anything that you're looking at on this ranking stand out to you? I, I, I think it looks fine. You know, Ohio State played with its food quite significantly in that Rutgers game, uh, probably – much more so than the until the one. second half until the second <laughs> yes but it doesn't matter i mean they're number they're they are the number one team in the nation mm-hmm. um and they shouldn't be screwing around with rutgers at all uh period so That's fair. um no i think everything else it looks fine we're starting to get to that point where like seven eight nine who are you gonna put there kind of thing yeah. you, you know what i mean where there is becoming a little bit more differentiation between the the top teams and that kind of close second tier uh but no i think it looks interesting Uh, you know louisville now at number 11 i i could make an argument that they deserve to maybe be you know a little bit higher along with penn state and maybe Ole miss falls back but who knows we'll see um and and this weekend we get two top 10 matchups because we got michigan penn state and we got Ole miss and georgia so that will provide two more losses in that top 10 but you, you just mentioned Louisville, number 11. Like, do you think they could beat Penn State? Because I don't. Um, I, 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 I know they just here's... wiped the floor with us. But... No. <laughs> Their defense is a lot better than I even expected. Um, is, and I don't say that just because of what they did to us, but doing that to Duke and then turning around and doing it to us um, – basically a shutout game and then giving up three points. I think that defense is saltier than I anticipated going to that game. Um, And, you know, there's a little bit of bias there because it was to us, but I'm also looking at that Duke team that was, you know, a legitimate top 20 team at the time. And then they wiped the floor with them. And, And that is such a fascinating conversation that a lot of the people who analyze the polls always go through, should they count, when you beat a team that's in the top 25. Well, if you're doing the the ranking before the season, that hardly seems fair because that team might be terrible. But sometimes a loss to a team that's good in the top 25, like turns their season. And like you, like, so it actually was more valuable because teams change so much throughout the year. It's always a difficult exercise and one that I love to to, to review and go over with you every week. I did want to just point out that Iowa and UNC You'll see there, number 22 and 24, respectively, both have two losses, but they're behind a couple three-loss teams in this poll. So I, they don't think UNC or Iowa is very good. The, yeah. the committee does not, or at least that they don't warrant a higher spot. And I think that's right. Yeah, I agree. And I want to finish a thought that as I'm looking at this, which is interesting. So do I think Louisville could beat Washington? No. Do I think they can beat Oregon? No. I think they could beat Texas. I think they would beat Alabama. Um, I think they you think would, Louisville would beat Alabama. Okay. Yeah, I think they would beat Ole Miss, and I don't think that they would beat Penn State. So, in fact, I actually think that there's teams even a couple spots ahead of them that they would have a really good shot against. 
you um, think it's very like matchup dependent yeah with with louisville and and it, and it is i just don't think when they when louisville has to go up against an elite team and we may find this out when they play florida state in the acc title game i just don't know if if they're good enough, especially if like thrash was out this week, Jordan was banged up. Like they're not beating any of these teams unless both those guys are there. And I don't know if Jack Plummer when put up against a good defense, like Oregon, I know you said they wouldn't beat them, but that's just an example. Like Penn state's got a very good defense like that. I don't think Plummer's good enough to maybe score 20 points on that defense, but yeah. And my assumption was thrash is back and, you know, Jordan is healthy and those sort of like kind of full strength versus full strength. But yes, I totally understood. Like imagine Penn state's linebackers defending that run instead of ours and how much better that would have gone for Penn state this past week. I agree with that. All right. Depth chart injury update. Stroman still banged up. He did play. Didn't seem a hundred percent. Fugas also banged up. I'm not sure if he played. I'm uh, and I can't recall. Uh, I know he didn't start. Um, he was in the game. Um, okay. Because I think, I think he had a tackle for a loss in 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 the game or something I have along to those lines. So uh, look at the sheet. Yeah. But either way, both of those guys were the ones that came up on Prize little injury talk, and I'm hoping, hoping, really hoping that Strowman is back this week because Peoples was back and looked healthy and made some nice hits and was one of the few bright spots I would say on that defense this past week. I I, want to get both those guys in the lineup at once playing at a high level because I think it makes such a big difference. I agree. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully um, get back and and be healthy and on the field, not just more than just on the field, on the field and healthy and kind of ready to go would be, um, would be a nice change. And I'm I'm not seeing Fuga on this on the uh, stat sheet because it was pain that had a couple. Uh, of yeah. I think you might be right. But, um, but BC has a handful of guys that are out or questionable. Garwo doesn't look like he's going to play the running back. Ryan O'Keefe, the wide receiver, I think is out the tight end Takis. I think he's done for the year, potentially done for the year. So they they're banged up and Robichal and broom, the other two running backs, Robichal has been the one that's been good for them. They're mm-hmm. questionable. Yep. So this is the same thing we ran into this past <laughs> week with, oh, Thrash is out and, and Jordan's banged up. And now we really got a shot. It's like, nope. No, <laughs> that's that's not how that played out, actually. Um, so hey, I, I'm going to reserve all judgment based on uh, who is not in the game. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, because it's with especially when you play a team like BC, it's so much like forget what's on the back of the Jersey. It's the fact that they're wearing a BC Jersey that yes. makes them difficult to deal with. That's mm-hmm. just how it is when you play them. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense that a lot of those guys compete at the level that they do, but yes. they just do whenever we play BC. Uh, this week on CFB Monday, I gave my power rankings and a little bit later in the show, I want to ask Rob for maybe his top four power rankings, not as playoff four, but just who he thinks the best four teams in the country are. Pick them leader. Some spread, huh? Is back in first place. Him him and Hokey Hustler or the they them they. I don't know who it is if it's a she, but some spread, huh? And Hokey Hustler keeps swapping first place. And they're at 62% and 61% respectively. And that's because we've called exactly 100 games right now. Oh and wow. So, and so one has 62 wins and the other one has 61 wins. I had a great week. I will say that. I think Would I got get? 
I think I got nine out of ten picks right or something like that. Whoa. Um, so Whoa. it shot me up to 500 on the year uh, or right at 500 on the year. I think I have. Nice. I think I'm almost exactly at 50 picks uh, correct and 50 losses. It was a big week. That's, I mean, nine and one would be ridiculous. You got to check on that. And NC State time game. Yeah. NC State game time has been announced, 3.30, and it's a sellout. So great job by Hokie Nation yet again, selling out another game. And I wanted to point something out about that weekend because I am going down to the game. One of my good friends is turning 40, wow. and we are, <laughs> we are having a, a, a big blowout for the game and tailgate and all that. But on Friday night from 8 to 10 at TOTS, I am going to be there along with a handful of members of the Sons of Saturday team. Pat may be there. Billy's got a wedding, so he's he's bowing out. Pat is listed as questionable. But there's a bunch of other guys that do a lot of a lot of work for the Suns that are all going to be down. You you know Sam Jesse from Behind Enemy Lines and the Locks Pod and and Brad and uh, Al. There's a bunch of people that help the team out that are going to be down, and we're going to be having a good time at Tots Friday night, the night before the NC State game. We are calling it Friday Night Lights. Ooh. Lights is in. Light beer. You got Light me beer. here. You yes, can drink whatever beer you. you want, but the title was too good to pass up. <laughs> You've got to go with that. And um, yeah, the I, graphic is out on Twitter. You can see it on the page for any further details. Just go to the two deep Twitter page. You'll see it. It's pinned to the top. I, I like that. If you go, then, you know, Pete will probably buy you a rail. So there you go. There's, <laughs> there's some financial incentive. Uh, okay. I have $200 <laughs> worth of rails on my, on my tab. Got to be yeah. careful. Uh, but yeah, the, I please come if you're if you're on if you're down for the game, and and that's why I wanted to make it eight o'clock because I wanted to make sure people were down and in town in time. Please come and say what's up. It doesn't have to be for long. You don't even have to get a drink. Just I just would love to meet some people and say thanks for listening in person and that kind of thing. And so come on out. I'll be with a bunch of my friends. Uh, I'll have stickers. I'll have pins. All the stuff, uh, some swag for you guys to take home. But show up to Tots, 8 to 10, Friday night, the night before the NC State game for Friday night lights. Game recap, Rob. This was pretty much exactly the opposite of the Syracuse game. <laughs> uh, yeah, almost. Yeah, we were Syracuse. and they We played the role were, of Syracuse. They, yeah. And in this act uh, of uh, the, the play, uh, we're going to reverse roles. and We could not do anything. anything on offense. Louisville got out to a 14-0 lead when we finally had a promising drive before the half, which promising was about 50 yards. But nevertheless, we got the penalty call, knocked us back. That was a killer. Kicked the field goal, and that was it. I mean, we went to halftime. Nothing really changed. Louisville put up 20 in the second half. We continued to struggle, and they won 34-3. to But best part of the show, maybe not this week, but they're still good. The calls. Look, man, I didn't expect to win, you know, going into it. I I figured it would be nice to hang, but I didn't expect that at all. All right, Hokie fans, everyone needs to take a big step back, take a deep breath and breathe. The sky is not falling. It's not the end of the world. We played a very, very, very good team, number 13 in the country. I still think we can get two, two wins. We got Boston College. Then we get NC State, and man, the only reason I really think we can win that game is because it's being played in Lane Stadium. We still have an opportunity to go bowling, take care of business these next three weeks, 
And then we got UVA in Lake City and North. And we will be all right. Everyone just breathe. All right, well, dust her off. Get a little H.I. And uh, we're on to the next one. Go freaking Hokies. Don't drink five pumpkin beers. <laughs> that, you like that little last sneak in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go and drink five pumpkin beers. <laughs> yeah. So good. The... Yeah, I can't was... wait to have five pumpkin beers with Hack at, at Tots on, <laughs> on on that Friday. That was, uh, yeah, very reminiscent. It was a Michael Scott from The Office. Everybody stay calm uh, yeah, kind of situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm calm because as soon as we kicked that field goal, I texted you and Joe as soon as they started running the ball on us, and I said, this thing's over. And I, I literally texted it to you guys. I said, this yeah. game is over. Um, and I was resigned to the fact that it was over. But then when we kicked the field goal, I was like, okay, this is really over. And I, I just knew we had no shot no, in this in this game. And that was that was the game. That's my recap. Yeah, and I would say that the calls, it, not, a, not many calls this week, but I do appreciate some of our stalwarts sticking with us and giving us a call. They, while maybe upset, were you know, trying to urge, we're good. We just, we can get to, we can go to a bowl. It was a good team. It was a bad game. You know, like, let's just move on. And if you guys do want to get on in on the reaction line next week, when we're playing Boston College, 540-251-2169, and you can give us a call and talk. And I, I feel the same way as some of those callers and that, like, that sucked. And we knew it sucked kind of early. And it, it's not like they left us hanging and then we got blown out in the fourth. Like we kind of got our butts kicked the entire time. There was a little bit of hope when we were making that that drive yeah. and could have maybe cut it to seven before the half. But Correct. once we didn't, it was like, this is going to be a long afternoon. It's going to be a long one. Yeah. And um... do you want to give me, do you have a story of the game before I, I talk about McCoy's? Um. No, no. This this is this is one of those games. <laughs> so uh, not to equate it too much to my golf game, but like there's just days when you go out and it doesn't matter what you're doing, like everything just kind of goes wrong. Like you, mm-hmm. and you're just like you're like it, it's sometimes you just look over at your partner and you're like, "Yep. You know, yeah, that it's it's done. Like there's there's nothing. I can't get this train back on the tracks." And it just right. kind of felt like that. So I was very kind of unemotional about it because I could just tell it's like we didn't have our stuff. It was like we're 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 done. So the story of it it, it doesn't change what we're trying to accomplish was really getting to a bowl game this year. It would have been awesome. And it would have been a really good cool story. And I think that maybe is my story of the game is like we were hoping for that. We were hoping for but I think deep down, the reason you're not getting a lot of motion on those calls or from you or me is we kind of thought like it was it was going to be a long shot uh, for that for that kind of cool story to play out. And you were definitely less optimistic than me, I think. Like when I when I think back to our podcast and I was like, I really want to keep the momentum going. We can we can win this game if we if we play like we did and blah, blah, blah. And you were like, even if we don't, <laughs> it doesn't change the nice turnaround that we've had. And that is that was the right way to think about it. And I think that you mm-hmm. might have had an inkling that it wasn't going to go well. And I was more optimistic that it would be very competitive throughout. And it just it just was not. Right. 
Yeah, I I would agree. I I would my, agree so, with that. and to just finish this, uh, my story of the game was just a total no show for the Hokies. Yeah, that was that was the story. The Two Deep Hokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. We love supporting a local family-owned business, and I know you guys do too. That's what you get with McCoy's. They were established in 1980. That is over 40 years of serving the community. They do major and minor repairs, oil changes, state inspections. They can rebuild engines if you're having that kind of issue, a transmission, uh, diesel repair, fleet service. They do it all, and they also sell tires. So get those fresh tires for the winter over at McCoy's. And they even have optional pickup and drop-off service if you can't get to the shop with work. And so that's huge. Head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all of your vehicle maintenance needs this fall and into the winter, or give them a call, 540-639-2933. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right on the screen. You can also find them on Facebook. It's a very, very easy search. And just like that old hokey buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Offense, Rob? You want to do offense first? Yeah. I will apologize to everybody in here. This is there's there's not a great amount of positives to take out of this game. So I I I'm actually curious like what what could be your positive? I might have like one, but yeah. Um I don't. I I, I but I have am I I'm not all that negative, but there's some things that are kind of bubbling here that I want to get out there. Um that so drones, 12, and I'm going to hit these by kind of player, and we'll just go back and forth. So okay. let's talk about our quarterback for a moment. So 12 for 21, just under 70 yards, and an interception, no touchdowns. Obviously, no touchdowns because we didn't score any. The um, Maybe I'll pose it as a question to you. Are, now that drones is in, he's kind of getting settled. We're kind of like you know massaging what it's going to look like for him are the overthrows getting a little bit concerning for you? Because for me, there's an awful lot of fly routes and like kind of, you know, a lot of wheel routes. There's a lot of stuff where the five yard overthrow is becoming kind of a reoccurring theme. And I'm wondering if there's something mechanically that is happening there that's causing him to get a high delivery on the ball that I'm hoping will kind of fix itself. And I'm picking out something in minutia because if we went through just the straight stats, it's going to be a dumpster fire on. Yeah. And I think there's probably two answers to what was, what you saw versus Louisville. One, he was under a lot of pressure. I think he was sacked four times and there were several other QB pressures. And so he probably had a little bit of happy feet and, and wasn't able to plant and, and throw. We have seen inaccuracies in the longer throws down the field and those overthrows in games when he's had time, like in the Syracuse game. Mm-hmm. I think his mechanics have actually improved from his first start to maybe not the Louisville game, but up until the Louisville game, I thought his mechanics have looked pretty good in general. Like he looks good throwing the football. I don't have a great amount of concern because I, I sometimes think the deep ball comes later for some of these guys and Ky- Kyron has thrown, shown an ability to make those sideline throws at times or those slant throws at times that are just perfect. Yeah. And I, I would be almost more concerned if he was throwing perfect deep balls and not able to hit those throws. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Because those are more, 
those can be much more important throws. And obviously you want to hit some big plays down the field, but I think as guys uh, progress and get more comfortable and have a better offensive line, the deep balls will come. Yes. That would be my thought. Yeah. Um, because in this game, you're right. Looking at the stats, this is our fewest amount of passing yards since 2013 when we played Alabama. Like yeah. that's 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 the bar we're dealing with here. It's just 140 total yards of offense, and the biggest issue was that we could get no yards on first down. Like yeah. every, I felt like every first down, we got no yards, we got negative yards, and in the beginning of the game, in particular, three of our first five drives went for negative yards. <laughs> yeah, and penalties crept up at like really bad times as well. We talked before this game that and I said I was really concerned um, about what they were going to show in terms of scheme and what they were going to come up with. What I thought I meant by that was and what I did mean was the offense. But it just so happened that they mixed some things up on the defensive side and had a spotter um, and were basically that helped negate um the impact of Kyron drones and his legs in this game and allowed mm-hmm. the defense to not be on its heels, to be more aggressive without losing, um, without a, without a real breakdown that drones could really cause some damage um, because of that spotting um, that they, the spotter that they had right there. And that, that I think was a wrinkle that we probably could have expected, but it had a lot more, impact on this game than I think we probably would have hoped. And this was the best front seven I think we faced all season. I mean, this these guys, we knew the D-line was good. We knew the linebackers were good. And it was it was going to be a struggle. I didn't expect it to be this hard of a struggle, but we're, we're behind the sticks all day. Yep. And we had so many long third downs. We only converted two of 11 on third down. And a lot of the ones we didn't convert were like eight, Plus, you know, we had some really long ones. Uh, Only one drive in the entire game for the Hokies went more than 30 yards. Yeah. And so it was, it was just ineptitude front to back on the offense. And you could, oh, the play calls this, this, like we just, I don't know. You could have called the plays the exact opposite as we ran. And we'd probably end up in a very similar position. Like it just, it wasn't our day. Yeah. And and Vegas seemed to know it, and we got out there, and it was one of the very few times in the prior era, and I said this on Monday, that we did not show fight. Yeah, we didn't have it within a score in the second half, you know, and that mm-hmm. that has not happened often. I think it happened once last year, and that was the UNC game. Yeah, and otherwise, like we were we were in the pit game, we were in the West Virginia game, and they got a little out of hand late, but like this was unusual. Like this was a little unusual, I think for, uh, for, for Brent Price team to just be this flat. Yeah. Two for 11 on third down, um, bad field position regularly behind the chains regularly. And the sense of urgency in our offense on first and second down is something that's frustrated me for quite some time, probably the last four or five years um, that has continued to be the case. And there, when you have a night like this and, you know, you have, you get say 
three yards or four yards, a little bit of a chunk on first down. And then you kind of do something screwy on second down or you take a shot or whatever the case may be. That That's usually a great idea for some, for some teams. For us, unfortunately, when things are going this way, we need that second down. That's not like our free kind of play. We kind of need that second down to really try and, you know, get the first down and keep things moving or at least to have it like, get down, you know, be like at like a yard or, you know, less on third down. And, um, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like we're pissing away a down kind of on each series. You you see what I mean? Like that. Do you remember the weight game in the beginning of the weight game when we weren't, we didn't, that game ended well. It didn't start amazing. And there was a lot of second downs or first downs that I felt like were wasted. In that game, I felt like the either the call wasn't right or it wasn't executed right, and it what did feel like the team wasn't throwing it away, but like it was like, well, that was a dud, and we just it it just kept on happening. And you're right, we cannot afford that. We can't afford to have a dud. We can't afford to not be engaged. We can't afford to miss the second down call if it's second and five. Like we can't we can't afford that. We need to stay ahead of the chains more than just about any other team right now. Uh, because we're just not very good on the front, you know, that we got two freshmen on the left side of the line, or maybe not on the left side, but we got two freshmen out there. We got two freshmen in the backups. It's, it's a young inexperienced line. We know it's, it's a a trigger point for us. And it's, uh, it, it failed miserably in this game. Like it just, we, we, our biggest weakness was exposed greatly. And so, I don't think it'll be like that when we play Boston College because it's a much different front seven. But I'm I'm with you, mm-hmm. first and second down. Like those are our key downs. Like we need to stay ahead of the chains, as they say. Yeah, it's it's. I say it with my teams all the time, and it, it's a, just a sense of urgency, like a sense of urgency to get the first down. Like there are teams out there that it's like you know what. We can utilize all three downs. It's good. We got. We can. We have an offensive line that will create a hole on third down, and we will get those four yards. No problem. That ain't us. That is not us. There are teams all over the country that are like that, and that isn't us. So it's a sense of urgency that, like, we have always got to be trying to push the chains on every down, and the, if we don't have as much um, leniency for the setup plays that you would typically see maybe with some other offenses. Yeah, I hear you. Let's move over to the defense Mm -hmm. because once again, we got the linebacker play that when we play a good team, our linebackers just forget how to play football. And I don't know if those teams are scheming us up real good or what, but man, we got the bad offense and now we got the bad linebacker play and it's, it's, it's what we've been saying all year. It's O-line and it's linebacker and the gap fits were so bad. The tackling was bad. They ran for 231, 6.1 yards per rush. And that really didn't do it justice because their lead rusher, Guarendo, who kind Mm -hmm. of filled in for a a banged up Jawar Jordan to an extent, he went for 13, (laughs) 13 yards per carry, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The backup went for, 13 yards carry, 146 yards on 11 carries and three touchdowns. Um, Jordan, who we talked a lot about going into the game, um, 
had 14 carries for 57 yards, another touchdown, a lot of explosive runs, a lot of 20, 25, 30-yard runs. Gash. And gashing and also getting bullied in the hole, like a couple times, just absolutely getting made, like, look like, you know, toddlers getting run over by running backs on on a few tackles and uh, some of them were missed tackles other ones it was just like out physical on a tackle and you know breaking free and getting getting yardage uh no turnovers uh whatsoever in the game which we desperately needed something to create a little bit of havoc it it, it was um no tone nervous for our defense i i mean i know uh, what you meant yeah so (laughs) um uh and it it was tough. Um, it, it was really bad. I guess the only halfway decent stat is we held them to like two for eight on third down, but they really didn't need third down. They were, it was no. the opposite of the discussion we just had about the Virginia Tech offense. <laughs> like for them, third down didn't really even matter, uh, quite frankly. No, they, they just ran all over us all day long. I don't know how we had seven tackles for loss in this game. It, it, I saw that in the stat sheet. I'm like, when did those happen? But yeah. it, whatever. I, I thought if you're taking bright spots, I thought Peoples, I mentioned him earlier, thought he played well, seven tackles, tackle for loss, some hard hits. Payne, I thought played well, had a yeah. tackle and a half for loss. He continues to be a nice uh, fill in for this team, a guy that we didn't know what we were going to get from him this year. Mm-hmm. He seems to bring it every week at the very least. So, that's that's what I had for bright spots, but this was one of those ones, as our caller said, you know, trash it and move on. You know, yep. like that that is that's really what you have to do with this. We'll do our takeaways and then we'll do a beer break. Mm-hmm. The lines of scrimmage just got dominated, and, yeah. and it, you could say it's on the DL. I thought the DL play was okay. The linebackers. I'm, I'm including in that line of scrimmage when you're going up against a rushing team and you have, you're trying to stack your box and you still can't stop anybody. Um, a lot of our major flaws and a lot of the areas in which, and this is, this is what we talked about last week. A lot of the areas in which we are untalented mm-hmm. were really exposed in this game yeah. and the team looked flat. We, we couldn't do what we needed to do, which was run the ball and stop the run. Those are the two things we needed to do to have any shot in this game. And we did both of those things terribly. And and one of the things that really disappointed me was that we had been gang tackling. And the last two to our three wins, there was a lot of gang tackling against Syracuse and Wake. And I just wasn't seeing that in this. I agree. The commitment um, to everybody just, it did. It just looked, it looked a little flat from everybody in the game. Um, and I'm not sure why. I know there was some talk about, you know, Pry before the game saying, you know, I don't want to hear anybody talking about the ACC championship or anything along those lines. Well, maybe next year you should have them talking about the ACC championship <laughs> because, <laughs> because it looked a lot like a team that wasn't actually thinking they had a chance to go to the ACC championship. It seemed like a team that had no hope for anything. (laughs) Right. It it looked like a team that should have spent all week being like telling themselves, you know what? Here we go. We're doing well Mm -hmm. in the ACC. We got a lot to play for. Let's go out there. Let's bust some ass against a really good team and let's make it a fight. Instead, it looked like a team that spent all week 
trying not to think about like screwing up. And that's exactly so. Uh, that That's kind of, that was actually a really interesting um, set of like kind of commentary that was leading into the game. Yeah, it was a head scratcher. Like, cause you, there was a lot of reasons that I pointed out to people and on Twitter and in conversations since the game, like the reason for hope against Louisville was warranted. Louisville is not some incredible team. They're a good team, but they are not without flaws. They're not without guys who were banged up a bunch of new guys that came over in the portal that are still only, you know, eight, nine games in with this new team. We played really well against Syracuse. Uh, We scored points on some decent defenses in Wake and Syracuse. Those teams stink, but their defenses were okay. So there was reason for hope. So this was just, I said it on Monday, it was a stinker. It's one of those games that just, they happen every year. I said the UNC game last year. Uh, We had BC the year before that, Pitt the year before that, Pitt in 2018. I mean, you you could just go back. There's one every year that is just like, I don't know what happened. It was awful. And that's what this game was. And they happen to teams that are rebuilding, that are on the road, that don't have identities on either side of the ball to, for the most part. And so that's what it was. Yeah. You, you, you watch the tape and then you burn the tape and you move <laughs> on to BC because this is, this is just one of those games that happens across college football every year to all kinds of good teams. And the example I used on – there's two examples I used on Monday. One was Louisville against Pitt. Yep. Like, what the hell was that? Like, yeah. why did that team lose to Pitt? And did you see what happened to Air Force this past weekend? Yes, they got bludgeoned by Army. Right. Like, what What was that about? I had like, that, that pick. I picked Army in that game. No did joke. Did you really? Yes, that was one of my, nice. one of my ten. Um, I, I just picked them to keep it close because against the spread. Yeah. Cause yeah, it was yeah. service Academy versus service Academy. But, um, yeah, oh, I think I, I took army in our pick them too, but yeah, I didn't yeah. expect them to win by 20 points. No, it was 20, like 24 to three or something like that. It, it was, um, yeah, it's a stinker game. It happens to everybody. It sucks that it happened to us when we started, when we were starting to think, feel like we had really turned the corner on things. That's never a great time to have it happen. Um, but it happened. And it's yeah. done. Very true. Do you, are you drinking anything over there, Rob? I am. I said, I mentioned on the podcast last week that I had a shipment sitting out on my front porch. Oh and yeah. yeah. I have, you get? So I did my athletic brewing online order and, uh, they rolled out three new beers and I, I got two of them. One of them I thought would be, you would love is, uh, a dark and Gordy. If you like that Ooh. name, Ooh. yeah, pumpkin and spice, non-alcoholic brew, uh, athletic brewing company. It is, it's delicious. Um, it is a really good pumpkin. Uh, really, beer. and you, how much, how close is it to a traditional beer for you? Like it's this, indistinguishable. This beer, this beer is indistinguishable from an wow. alcoholic beer. And I, I mean that having drank a lot of beer in my life, uh, obviously the, uh, the, um, and, and that's because they're the pumpkin flavors in there. They threw some nice spice in there. So there's like really a lot of spice. It's a little sweet. Um, so you can probably tell because the alcohol is not there to cut the sweetness at all. Um, so it makes it a little overly sweet, but, um, it's delicious. It's good. And it's great because, 
I, I mean, not finding a non-alcoholic, you know, stout or dark beer is difficult. Trying to find a non-alcoholic pumpkin beer is like, you know, that's yeah. almost impossible. I didn't even know that existed. So that's an athletic? Yes. Athletic brewing. You can get it from their website. Um, if you can find it in the store, great. But these are part of like the beers that they put out on their website because they have a an awesome ordering um, like free shipping if you buy three, six packs or whatever. So I have like an auto order that I have get shipped every nice. month right to your door uh, because it's non-alcoholic and get shipped right there. So it is good. Uh, you got to get that sponsorship. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, Athletic, if you, I actually know somebody that works for Athletic. I, I'll hit them up uh, and see if, uh, if they want to sponsor the podcast. I like it. I am drinking my last... This is my last Ooh. couple from Basil. I know. Like, I I'm still have them, but here's the thing. He gave me these really good IPAs from New York. So this one is Liquid Crush New England IPA. Look at the can. It's absolutely gorgeous. Awesome. 7.2% alcohol. And they say this is one of those hazy juices. This is the one I showed at the very beginning. Yep. Full of citrus flavors, uh, lush tropical fruits, all that kind of stuff. Good beer. Not overly fruity or anything like that you know it's that typical like oh it's a it's a juicy one and it's like it does look <laughs> like orange, right. juice, orange juice but it drinks very much like a beer like nice. you you're not going to be if you gave this to one of your like serious beer drinking buddies it's like oh that's that's fruited beer it's like no this is good it's a okay. it's a good solid ipa and then there was one other one he gave me and i just wanted to talk about it because uh these are the last ones from him Falcon Punch, and most of you guys will be familiar with the Falcon Smash, right? From yeah. Aslan. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever played Super Smash Brothers, you know there's a Falcon Punch and there's a Falcon Smash. Wow. And so this is from Lucky Hair Brewing, and it is called the Falcon Punch. And this is another one from New York because he, he's around the Ithaca area. And it's funny because when they have the craft beer from New York up there, it always says think and why drink and why under their like little beer logo. Like that's their, their state motto or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this one is actually much more traditional. It's a, it's, it's not really a hazy. It's a, like a traditional IPA. It is good. I think I like the, the lick. This one's from liquid state. The first one I talked about the liquid yeah. crush. I think I like better one. I, I love the can artwork on this thing. And, uh, and I think I like it a little bit better overall, but 7.2 and uh, I think it was 6.5 on this one, but good beers. And one more shout out to our, our guy Basil for giving me so much beer when I saw him and I'm finally done. Yeah. <laughs> Did they give a shout out to the Falcon Smash at all in there? Or are they just like- Like oh, the video game? Well, my point being is like Falcon Smash is like very well known now, at least on the East Coast. That's very true. Very well beer. And then you kind of, that's that's ballsy you know and, you and i mean yeah you, you don't know this one could have been out first that's like it is true that is very true it could have it like, could have been um uh, it could have been um who is when it he that? handed it to me i was like oh they got new artwork because i just thought like it was the falcon smash yeah. but uh no it is falcon punch and yeah. um it does not take taste anything like fruit punch it is that is just the name but it is a good solid ipa 
Maybe uh, you. maybe triple crossing you. robbed their beer instead of the other way around. Um, who does the Falcons? It's is it is it's Aslan, right? Or is it triple crossing? Triple crossing. Yep. I, I screwed that up. That's yeah. my bad. Okay. No. And I've even got I've even got my my triple crossing glass here. <laughs> no. Well, we lost another sponsor, so uh, that, that's not <laughs> another another place that's not going to sponsor us. All right. BC, eleven eleven at noon. In Boston, it's uh, a place we don't like to go too much, a place Robbie's very familiar with. He's got family from the area. He went to grad school in Boston College. Yeah. Can't believe that still. But I remember when you first told me that, like, it shocked me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BC grad school. So, um, well, listen, it's not the bandana game. So that's a good thing, uh, which I didn't, I yeah. didn't put two and two together when – Boston College almost beat Florida State. That was the bandana game. Ah, okay. Which, dude, if you're taking, if you ever want to bet on anything, and if you, the best bet every year is probably, you know, one of the, you know, the unders on uh, Service Academy, unders, uh, as we all know. And then, dude, bandana game, that's what you do. So we don't have that this this game but it is in chestnut hill and sleepy chestnut hill is always a dangerous place to play it is they are coached by jeff halfley who was more or less on the hot seat coming into the year and as much as you can be on the hot seat at boston college it's not like being on the hot seat at an sec school but he is now 21 and 23 in four seasons almost a 500 because they're six and three this year they've won five in a row and they just managed to squeak by bad team after bad team. <laughs> this, I, I don't, I can't believe this. And that's what a lot of the commentary is, is like how close this team is to being like, you know, two and seven or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. Well, guess what, Pete? This team is five points from being eight and one. They've lost, they lost their two of their losses, like other than when they got blown out (laughs) with Florida state, they lost by two and their other game. They lost by three. That was to Northern Illinois, right? Northern Illinois getting in the season. So, um, this is a team that has been walking the razor's edge all season long, um, to get to that six and three. And it, it could have gone very, very badly and crazy enough. It could have been even better than it has been. And, you know, that's exactly like the Mighty Ducks. Like, if it was two inches the other way, I would have scored. It's like, yeah, but if it was two inches the other way, you would have missed completely. That's BC this yes. year. Exactly. And I never thought of it like that. I am mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez yes. because I never thought yeah. of it like that. Char- that they Charlie. could be eight and one. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, the only game that really wasn't close was that Georgia Tech game that they Correct. won. And then I think they got smacked by Louisville, right? Yes. Like they had those two games that were weird, but otherwise it was a seven point one against Syracuse, three against UVA, three against Army, seven over UConn, and three over Holy Cross. Yeah. I mean, these these are not good teams by no. any stretch that they were struggling with. So despite being six and three, they are still number seventy seven in the FPI, and their SP plus is very very close to ours. 61 in the Massey rankings. Um, it, it's good record, not a very good team. I, that's that's how I would classify it. I agree. Pry but- mentioned on his press conference the other day 
that they're the tenth best team in the country in yards per game rushing. Ooh, well, interestingly, do you think that's because of their running back? No, you would be <laughs> wrong in thinking that's because of their running back. So I know. Dude, this we're gonna have a problem with this kid. I feel like I mean, Castellanos is a good quarterback. I mentioned him on CFB Monday a couple different times because he started games. Drones was starting games. Calandria was starting games, and I was like, "Oh man, these three like what look to be the most terrible teams in the ACC might have quarterbacks." And Castellanos has been the best of the bunch. This kid so he's completing 58 percent of his passes his his passing is okay let's put it that way just okay um 12 tds seven interceptions but the real story is he's their leading rusher he's got 760 yards on the year on 147 carries and he's got 10 tds rushing so he's got 22 tds between his passing touchdowns and his rushing touchdowns which is insane um it's crazy and I, they're they're running back um oh his name is outrageous kai robacha i think it might be yeah um, that's right i like that i yeah, like that Ro- name yeah it's it's a cool name um only has 565 yards he's averaging 4.6 per carry and he only has six touchdowns so this is wild um he has twice as many touchdowns as their top wide receiver and their top running back combined uh so needless to say he's he's pretty productive yeah and for if you're in alabama or you're in georgia or whatever and your quarterback has 22 touchdowns through nine games that's to be expected this is boston college a team that's notorious for struggling the last few years and even when they had zay flowers they had a hard time scoring the football. So yep. he has done tremendously well, 1,700 pass yards, 760 rush yards. He's a gifted athlete. And when I look at him, he reminds me of Kyler Murray in terms of style and stature. Mm-hmm. I'm not. He's not the passer that Kyler Murray is, particularly at the end. Uh, he doesn't have like the, the gifted arm that right. Murray had. However, He's very good at running the football. If you watch him run, there's a reason he has 760 yards. And with their running backs being banged up, I mean, Robichaw, last I looked, was questionable. And mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter. There's going to be a running back for BC that goes out there and puts up some yards. Yep. But it could just make the emphasis on Castellanos that much more. Mm-hmm. And that is a frightening thought. If you look at their other skill position players, there's not a ton here. Lewis Bond has been their main guy, 35 receptions, 485 yards, over 50 yards a game receiving, uh, five touchdowns, but he's not a big guy. He's more of like a slot-type build. He's not quite six foot, not quite 200 pounds. They've got Griffin with O'Keefe out, and they've got Tomlin. And Dino Tomlin Mm. is the son of Mike Tomlin. Oh, is it? Yeah. Interesting. So he's coming and he's that. been contributing like he yeah. could he could factor in, especially if they need some a little bit more wide receiver depth in this game. And and they do. I mean, everybody else outside of Bond has 25 receptions or less and a touchdown or less. So it is it has been Lewis Bond in the in the passing game for them. So um, and their offensive line. I know this will be surprising to everybody is is pretty solid um, uh, this year. So. 
BC has resumed its uh, dudes uh, on the offensive line, and they, that has been very helpful for Castellanos as well. Is a very stout, good offensive line that's given him time. It's given him good um, blocking to to make stuff happen with his feet, and um, he's taking advantage of it for sure. And that was a huge weakness for them last year. Mm-hmm. They had pretty much the worst offensive line in the P5, one of the worst offensive lines in the country last season due to injuries and a bunch of other things. But this year they are much better, as you indicated. 40th in yards per carry in the FBS, 18 rushing touchdowns. And I said it off the top, 10th nationally in rush yards per game, only eight, uh, what is it? 18th in the nation and fewest sacks allowed. So they're doing a great job up front. My contention is that Castellanos is papering over some of the issues that might be present on that O-line and making them look a lot better. But that's kind of what drones does for us, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you if you went back and looked at the Syracuse game, if you looked at the Pitt game, if you look at the Wake Forest game in in just a microcosm, you wouldn't understand or recognize the issues that Virginia Tech has on the offensive line because of that. So, yeah, I could I could see that being the case. Before we talk about the Boston College defense, I wanted to mention Roback because Too Deep is brought to you by Roback. It's a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. And they have the polos, they have the quarter zips, the ones with the little Virginias that are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the Berg is the quarter zip, and that's the newer one. They're offering our listeners 20% off using code 2DEEPVT. So go to their site and load up your cart and get hoodies, tees. Uh, I got a hoodie for Rob. I still need to give to him, but it's so comfortable. And uh, he does have the Commonwealth, which is their polos. They have women's stuff, including joggers and tennis skirts. And just head over to Roback and and start getting your Christmas gifts early. Use code 2DEEPVT. You're going to get 20% off. Roback Crave Activity. I am much more optimistic going up to Boston College after looking at the defense. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, it is um, a team that struggled against the run, so check the box for us. They've been relatively solid against the pass, but we have not been dependent on that in the games that we've played well, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're near last in the nation in tackles for a loss, and yep. they only have eleven sacks on the year. So those are four data points that I like for Virginia Tech. Yep. 132nd out of 133 in tackles for loss per game in the country. Somehow, I still think their linebacking core is okay. <laughs> like, because it's Boston College and yes. they always seem to have a linebacker or two. But Vinny De Palma is still there, leads them in tackles. Cameron Arnold, he's third in tackles, has a forced fumble. On the DL, there's only one guy... That was really good last year and has not been putting up the same numbers in Izaraku. He's still good. He has 39 tackles from the defensive end position. Yeah. So that's that's a throwback. That's a guy who clearly has a high motor. Mm-hmm. And so that's someone to watch. And then in the back, there's one good guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, no. Uh, who is it? I'm blanking. Elijah Jones. Ah, oh, that's who it is. Because I think he had 13 pass breakups last year. He's at eight this year, five interceptions on the season for this kid. So if you're going to be passing the football, 
Stay away from Jones. Yeah. And, but I think, long story short, we should have some success. As long as we are mentally ready to go after what we just did last week, we should have some success against this defense. There is no excuse not to. They're 109th in yards per play, 119th in uh, yards per attempt allowed on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talked about the rushing. This is a team we have to expose slightly, slightly better against the pass, as you indicated. Yep. I'm actually interested to see, much like you, I have a difficulty thinking about a Boston College team that doesn't have solid linebackers. It just doesn't, it doesn't compute for me. Uh, it's like Notre Dame without a good offensive line. It doesn't compute. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see those guys on the field and see how productive they are in the game thus far, just based on the tackles for loss numbers and um, the sack numbers and the havoc numbers. It doesn't seem like this is the linebacking core of old uh, Boston College that we would think, or really a front seven for that matter. No, they kind of did a switcheroo on us this year. Yeah, I, I I wasn't expecting to have to deal with a running quarterback at Boston College <laughs> and a you know poor defense, but that's where we're at. And overall, this team is better than I expected. I expected them to win maybe one game in the ACC this year. I expected them to be bad. They have three wins in the conference, but they're all against very very weak teams in the conference hey that sounds familiar yes that's (laughs) that's that's something we know about the difference is in our three wins we dominated Mm -hmm. and i know they were at home but we showed that we were superior to those bottom feeding teams in the acc bc has not that's true they beat one team pretty good in georgia tech and otherwise they have played even with every opponent including uva including holy cross yeah. And so this is a very beautiful, beatable team. And I think that if we can somehow, I don't know if we have to spy Castellanos or just do something. Yeah. This offensive line isn't very good. We, mm-hmm. if we, th- he is covering their flaws, mm-hmm. we can absolutely stifle this team. If we can get him to the ground gang tackle and I don't know, just defend that QB run. Cause that's what this team is. Yeah. That needs to be the script, um, but we've known the script in the past, and we've gotten mm-hmm. we've gotten our ass kicked by very versatile, mobile quarterbacks before. So uh, I will I will reserve judgment and hope for hope for the best and a good game plan to keep an eye on him and make sure that we mitigate the damage he could do as much as possible. What's your point total for us to take the victory? What do we need to put up on this defense and? and- yeah, you could kind of do a should put up, need to put up. What, what, where are you at? I think that you could win this game at like thirty-two, because I agree with everything that you're saying. That BC has played to the level of its opposition um, downward, but they've also done it upward as well. So it it, it really hasn't mattered to them if they're going against the likes of FSU or if they're going the likes of Holy Cross. They'll just like kind of keep it there. So I think I they haven't see. gotten to 30 barely at all this year though. So yeah. I think that's a little high for No, me. but like, I'm I saying think... to win the game. So you could see like them scoring. I'm saying to handily win the game, you want to be at like 30 or 32 points. Could you I think you could win the game at like a 21-10. Yes. Could could this be like a 21-10 game? 
absolutely. Gotcha. I think gotcha. if we're only scoring 21 points against Boston College, that's insanely bad. Yeah, my line was game. 24. Like, yeah. I think if we get to 24, we'll have a very good chance of winning the game. It doesn't assure it, yeah. but like we should get to 24 is my feeling. And yeah. then give or take three points here or there, maybe six points to get to 30. Uh, yeah. But this is a team we should score on, yeah. but it's on the road. And so we have to overcome that mental hurdle. It's not only on the road. It's on the road in a place that we haven't played well. We've lost our last two matchups up there. Yeah, uh, We've lost a handful of the ones before that as well. We know how, how sleepy Chestnut Hill goes. But I think, and someone said this on Twitter, like if we had beaten Louisville, yeah, there's a 100% chance we lose this game. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... Can it work the other way? It's because we got our teeth kicked in against Louisville. Does that mean we got a decent shot of winning this one? And I would say yes. I think that we will see more fire in the belly of this team. Um, If not, then shame on the coaches. If not, if you can't point at that Louisville game in the game film and be like, dude, guys, yeah. We mailed well, it in, cut the shit, like that kind of thing, and really get the team kind of fired up. Uh, th- th- then that that would be disappointing mm-hmm. if they can't get fired up for this after getting their the shit kicked out of them by Louisville. Then that that would that would not be a good thing. Absolutely, I am worried about the run D. I hope Stroman can play and be a bigger factor. Fuga, all that good stuff. Hope those guys are healing up and are ready to go. But it's it's really about these linebackers stepping up if we're going to take this game. After looking at the betting line, we were four-point underdogs when it came out. Oh, wow. It quickly, quickly, within 48 hours, we were the favorites by one. Yeah. I think we're one-and-a-half favorites now. Mm-hmm. I, but it was like 36 hours that thing swung. All the money came in on VT. Take that for whatever it's worth. I said earlier, the SP Plus pick, it is, it is like dead. It's a coin yep. flip. It's coin flip on ESP on yeah ESPN. It's it's coin flip everywhere. Um, I think because of the bounce back, because of a little bit more freedom for our O line, I think this is a favorable favorable matchup. And I just if, if we want to go to a bowl, it's not impossible if we lose this game. But gosh, it would be so much so much more likely if we get it. I, it's not impossible, but it doesn't bode very well coming off of two losses in your last four games. Like I said, after you thought you turned the corner and you thought you had positive momentum on your side with the team, to then go back-to-back losses and then have to win your last two in order to get bowl eligible is not a good spot to be. Yep. Um, that that can go. And bad NC State's very D is serious. Yeah, I, I said I said before like. They're winning games like Iowa right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they're doing. They're they're allowing 300 yards and they're getting 300 yards and they're yeah. and they're winning the game. Uh before we get to our picks, Rob, I wanted to ask you about your power rankings. All and right. so what I'm going to do for you, is I'm going to add the CFP rankings to the screen just so you have the field of teams to look at. Yeah. But give me your number 1 team in the country, neutral field who you think could beat anyone? Who could beat anyone today? I would take Michigan. Okay. As number one. After Michigan, 
I would take um, Washington. Number two, Washington. Wow, okay. I know, I put you on the spot, too. No, no, but I I mean, I think I'm thinking about it. So, yeah, I'm Washington. Um, Three, I would probably still put Georgia, and then four, I'd put Ohio State. Okay. And I would have five be Florida State, and then I like six being Oregon. So there's your top six power ranking for me. See, I I went a little bit different, only in one spot. The rest of it's pretty close. I have Oregon as my number one team. Wow. wow. And, and because I'm not, I am not adhering to resume or re- this is what I think is the best team on a neutral field. And I think if that Oregon Washington game had been played at a neutral site or in Oregon, Oregon would have won. That, wow. That's, that's, that's how I feel. Because fair. if you remember that game, one, it was a great game, Yes, but it was very close. And Oregon had the fourth downs that, that didn't go their way. Washington, to their credit, drove down the field. They won the game. It was an overtime, right? Or did that not go in the over? No, that was one of the ones that didn't go to overtime, but I think uh, it felt like it did because it was, it was very close and it came right down to the end. So I have Oregon as number one, because I think they're complete. Now their best win is the Utah thrashing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Their second best win is, is kind of a, a, question mark right yeah and they're very much like michigan in that regard i have michigan as my number two team because they haven't i don't think a team has been inside the 10 on them this year right <laughs> so, yes I don't, I don't it's been yeah uh, shellacking of every team but yeah i i i like oregon and i'm gonna i could that could blow up in my face this weekend because yeah. they they have a really tough game this weekend against uh, usc you, so yeah Number three, I have uh, Georgia, so we're we're right on that in that respect. I have Alabama four. I think those teams are actually really really close. I have FSU five because I think you FSU Ohio State neutral field one that would be an awesome game. Yes, but I I have more belief in Florida State to keep coming with offense in that game and win it. I do as well because what was most surprising to me is that teams have 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 found ways to shut down Ohio State's passing offense and Marvin Harrison Jr. That for as good as he is, there have been times that he has gotten shut down in games, um, surprisingly, uh, with really good defensive end town. Yeah. So, and if you have athletes against him, which Florida State does, you can cause problems for him. Um, if you don't have elite crazy athletes, then you could get yourself in trouble. So I could see, for instance, like a Washington Ohio State game. I think Washington would really struggle with that, with like containing um, him. And I think he could go off. But like a Florida State with their athletes, I think it could be really dicey. I think Florida State because Washington's be- defense has has been struggling, and that's yeah. that's my thing with Washington. The reason I don't have I don't have Washington in my top six, mm-hmm. like they would be number seven. And, and it's not, this is not based on the resume. I know they're nine and know they, they got the win over Oregon. I just, they have since that Oregon victory, mm-hmm. they have not been impressing me particularly on defense. And so yep. uh, I, I would take all of like my, 
Ohio State, Florida State, Georgia, Alabama. I take all those teams on a neutral field against Washington because I feel like those teams, especially Ohio State, that's a great example because they would stifle Penix. I feel like they'd figure out a way to stifle that offense and do just enough on their own offense to win the game. Yeah. And, I mean, only one team has stifled Penix, and that was that weird Arizona State game where he scored. They only scored 15 points. It was a and 15 the, the rumor was they had the flu that game too. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I mean, here's what. So they put up 56 against Boise State, uh, 59 against Cal, 36 against Oregon, 42 it's against. So Stanford. ridiculous. I mean, they're putting up like, you know video game numbers 52 against usc so um, and that's where we differ right like you're higher on washington i'm a little bit lower on washington but there's definitely i see your point like i, yeah. I see why you could have them at two or three in the country because but been but, nasty but you bring up a really good point and we've seen this in the past and you know where we used to see this is with remember the uh, chip kelly oregon teams mm-hmm. where it was like this team, the Baylor teams, remember like that whole like echelon, and we had the whole this team can outscore anybody in the country. And then they went up against like an Alabama with a like elite defense or like a Georgia with an elite defense. And what we thought was an unstoppable offense quickly just got like shut down mm-hmm. and or tamed to like 20 points. And they lost the game. Um, the Marcus um, Mariota Oregon offense. It came as close mm-hmm. as, and that wasn't a Chip Kelly team. It was Helfrich afterwards, but yeah. same idea. They went to the national title and Ohio State did just enough to shut them down and win the game with Cardell Jones and Ezekiel Elliott. And yeah. that that's the thing about Washington is when the yeah. rubber meets the road, I just feel like Oregon's going to get the better of them. I could be wrong. Like Washington could could play a bunch of one score games all the way up into that Pac twelve title game, and they could beat Oregon again by three points, yeah. and they'll be in the playoff. Like because if they're undefeated, they're going to be in the playoff, and that would be, uh, that would be huge for them. But yeah, I, I right playoff, now second playoff appearance for them that'd be huge. I for for me with Michigan because I do think Michigan's probably the best team in the country, but I'm taking Oregon because I've at least seen Oregon basically almost win a top game like they were this close to beating washington in Mm -hmm. seattle like that's a huge test michigan has shown has not played it they've not shown me anything there's been no tests i agree and we'll find out this weekend so let's get to our picks alabama at kentucky this game's a lot closer in the line than i expected ten and a half points kentucky at home the underdog you're high on Alabama, but I'm going Kentucky. That's that that is a stinky one, huh? Ten and a half is not a lot of points. You're diving into the stink. Up. I'm diving <laughs> head first into the stink. I it's gonna take a lot for me to get back onto Saban's Saban's good graces. I mean, they played so unsaban like at the beginning of this season, it left such a bad taste in my mouth so i'm i'm gonna go with i'm diving right into the stink and milrow did look fantastic last week mm-hmm. but that lsu defense we know is not good and they were down some players yeah and so i don't i do think he's improving and i think he will be the key to a, a victory in the title game in the sec but 
That line is making me very nervous, and I am too going to dive into the stink, and I'm taking UK. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking. GT at Clemson. Clemson, 14.5-point favorites coming off the big win against Notre Dame. I will go first, and I will take Clemson. So you think they're going to roll no – I guess it's kind of hard to have a letdown after you come off of two losses to NC State and Miami, and then you get one win over Notre Dame. So I'm going to reverse course. I had kind of I was going like the letdown route, but they they're 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 one in three in their last three games. So that's hard to say that there's going to be a real letdown. So I'm I'm going for and Georgia Tech has been off on off on all year, and they're they're surprisingly like they'll fight in the games. They'll they'll yeah. Haynes King will do some stuff, mm-hmm. but. One, they they did their opposite, so they they actually won a game. I thought they were going to lose against UVA. <laughs> I don't know if I thought they were going to lose, but that was supposed to be their bad game. Yeah. This is going to be their bad game, and I think yes. Clemson will will take them down, uh, stifle that offense. Miami at Florida State, the old rivalry, fifteen and a half point favorites for Florida State. I really want to take Miami. Mm-hmm. I really really want to take them. But Tyler Van Dyke was so bad last week. Like, it's really making me think. <laughs> I know. But it's Miami FSU. I'm going to go with Miami. Like, it's going to come down to a field goal, I feel like. like yeah. I, it, in a betting game, like, if, if we're going, yeah, yes, I got to go Miami. Like, I'll take Miami because it's such a big spread. It might not be a field goal, but ten it's points. a rivalry, and it's always weird. I feel like it's always weird. I'll take Miami. Utah at Washington. Cannot wait for this. And you know how I just hated on Washington? Well, I'm taking Utah. <laughs> oh man, I have Washington in this game. Okay. So And uh, and did you see what Utah did last week? Yep. I did. Fifty five to three. I know Arizona State's not like the best team, but they they'd been playing better. Yes. And that was it. That was a demolition. Whittingham right. was was angry they after demolished. the Oregon game. He was very angry after the Oregon game, but uh, in, I took Seattle, I took Oregon and and that paid out. And now I'm taking Washington against Utah. So. Okay, looking forward to that game. Ole Miss at Georgia between the hedges. Georgia eleven and a half point favorites. Like so, this season where Georgia has been very good, going for their third straight title. They have a very weak schedule. And the two of the toughest games they've played, which have been Mizzou and now Ole Miss, are both at home. Yes. <laughs> Not and fair. They're both at home. And I, I, do you think this is a lane moment? I mean. Well, I thought Georgia would cover last week. You know that. And it didn't work out. So no. I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like Ole Miss – Ole Miss it might not be good either, though. <laughs> so, like, how so, good do you okay. think Ole Georgia, Miss is? Georgia this year, let's knock out, like, the bullshit games, right? Okay. And talk about their real games. They beat South Carolina 24-14. to 10-point game. Not great. Not uh, South Carolina you know, sucks. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, Auburn, 27-20. to 20. Kentucky, they blew out, okay? Vanderbilt. 37 to 20. That is a terrible Vanderbilt team. That's a, that's a um, terrible they, score for that. Yeah. yeah. And then Missouri 30 to 21. These, they, I mean, they've been like around 10 point wins over like, you know, all of these teams. This is not last year's or, you know, George. I've been team. saying this and I had been saying this and this is why, and this is, this has been tearing me up a year. Cause I had in my first playoff four, I had Bama and I had Georgia both in 
Then I only had Bama because I was like, you know what? Georgia doesn't have it this year. Then I then I, then I went back. Yeah. And so like I'm in this position now where like I don't know what the hell to do anymore. I'm doing the snip, snap, snip, snap. And yeah. it is – I have Georgia still on my playoff board today. But like they keep showing me the opposite. Yeah. And I don't know when – and that's what the experts all think too. You listen to cover three, they're like, Georgia is probably the best team in the country. And I'm like, I have not seen that. I have not seen it. No. And so. Their scores don't indicate it. I mean, they're playing the caliber of like on paper, even though Michigan Miss has kept games anybody. tight this year. They've kept yeah. every game tight. Even when the game, like I thought they would cover against Texas A&M. Texas A&M came back. Ole Miss got the win. But it was tight. I'll take Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm taking Ole Miss. I think Kiff, I think Kiffin might win this game. He could. He really could. Georgia's Duke, been effing around all season, and I think and this is going to be the game him. where they blow out Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's probably because <laughs> we talked about it. Yeah. Um, Duke at UNC. Last game we're going to pick. I had to put this on there because it's the rivalry game. Yeah, and it is somewhat meaningful in the mm. ACC. Like if Louisville has a slip up, like these teams. Could jump in. So, UNC, 10.5-point favorites. Duke's been struggling because mm-hmm. Leonard's hurt, and they should not – Duke should not have beaten Wake, but they did last week. Yeah. But come on. I'm taking Duke in the points. So, of course. Yeah, this was a no-brainer for me in that game. But, you know, Duke, UNC, absolutely. And And I guess Vegas, are they baiting us here? Like yes. the, it's got to be a bait job because maybe UNC and will come out and Drake may will play amazing. And I love a good bait job, <laughs> <laughs> throw a bunch of touchdowns, but I'll yeah. take Duke anyway, because it is a rivalry and you know what you do when there's a rivalry game, Robbie, you know what you do? <laughs> you throw the records out. You throw those records right out. That is going to do it for the podcast. It went on longer, way longer than I expected considering how the game went last week. But you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Make sure you show up to Friday Night Lights if you are down at Blacksburg next weekend, 8 to 10 at Tots, the night before the NC State game. Spotify. I did notice that we did get some more reviews, so thank you to those who who reviewed us on Spotify and gave us five stars. And make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and on the Sons of Saturday YouTube channel. I'm on there every Monday at 9 a.m. and the slam jam is out. So go there. I Ed and them also just put out some, some basketball previews. There is so much stuff hitting that feed. Like it's, it's tremendous content. If you're a big Virginia tech fan, so hit up the sun's Saturday YouTube channel. And until next time, go Hokies. 